Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. It is uh, hard to believe that we'd even be thinking about spring planting and everything that needs to go on with uh, winter storms moving through the upper Midwest once again. We know the struggle bus continues for this corn market. Soybeans, even though we saw the negative today, is there some positives that could be factored in going down the road? And, and the wheat market, it's just lower altogether, as I'm sure there's been a lot of talk about the weather that's moved through and how that might be affecting the wheat trade. Flip side of it, we'll look at what's happening on the livestock side as well. We know the struggles continue for the cattle and the hogs, but there is some help, according to the USDA, on the way. So we're going to find out all the details today as we talk with Darren Fessler. Darren is with Lakefront Futures. And Darren, let's start out with this corn market. For the day, really, we kind of teetered back and forth, close to some positives, but there's still a lot of struggles out there for corn. Yeah, there's a tremendous struggle for corn, and it's it's nothing new right now. I mean, I think that we've we've all talked about the ethanol issue quite a bit here, and in, in in short order here, it seems like you know early March when these things started transpiring, it seems like a year ago now. As much as we've talked about it, but there, I mean, these are real issues that are going to impact this market. I think for the foreseeable future. Now, we we will open this economy back up. It, it, it's a question of when. Um, but in, and how how do people start reacting once the economy starts reopening? Do we start getting back to some normal living where we're going out we're driving? And I think what could be encouraging for the corn market, the ethanol market, is you look over at the airlines. How many people are going to maybe start changing their habits because of what's happened with the airlines? Do they, do they get fearful and not fly? Do they just instead get in their car and drive? I think that could be an encouraging thing for the ethanol market, but keep in mind we have rail cars that are full of ethanol. So these these things are going to take their time and have to you know kind of iron themselves out. But right now you you look at the old crop supplies and the destruction that's happened in ethanol, and then you you look at what potentially could happen this spring if we do plant anywhere that around that ninety five and ninety six million. We probably won't hit that ninety seven mark, but. We'll be all of north of 95 million in my estimation. So, how does that planting start out? How does that get going? How does the crop look this summer? And really, at the end of the day, what does this crop perform like? And where does our balance sheet put corn at the end of the year? And really, uh, you, you get those seasonal bounces if you get those seasonal bounces in corn, which I think you do at this point, have to be rewarded pretty aggressively. Well, you talk about 2019 with such a weather-related market. Are we setting ourselves up to see the same in 2020? I would say if you are a North Dakota producer, absolutely. I, I think there are some tremendous concerns in parts of North Dakota, South Dakota. You can say areas of Minnesota. Uh, but you look over across Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois, I don't think there's that big a problem. But keep in mind, if we look back a year ago, uh, last April, we weren't really talking about, you know, the potential of planting in June. You know, it, it, every year we there's that window of opportunity that we get it planted. Last year was just an anomaly. It, it just it, it was an outlier. So could we line up for the same type of situation? Anything is possible. We certainly look at the root soil moisture levels, and we are plenty wet underneath. So if, if there's continued systems that start to build and they continue to push the planting off, uh, yeah, a, a situation could you know delay a little bit, but it's, it's hard to say that we're going to have the type of issues that we had last year, again, this year. That would definitely be, 
you know, three black swans. Let's call it the planning delay. You have the coronavirus and then another planning delay. I think those are really super big extremes that I, I just, I can't bank on that happening again. So some wonder, you know, we know that the ethanol plants, we're seeing the more and more idling going around. As you mentioned, ethanol sitting in cars. At what point will we start to see, and I know this is asking you to look into your crystal ball, but at what point do we start to see some rejuvenation for this ethanol market once we get back to the new norm? Uh, you know, you look over crude oil, it's less than $20 a barrel. Uh, we got to get something done there on the energy side. And it's, we can drive as much as we want, and it feels maybe good to drive on cheap gas. But economically, it's not going to be all that great when I'm looking at $20 crude. I'd much rather have it at 40 or 50 or $60 and improve these ethanol margins in a way that these guys can make some money. So I, I don't think we're going to get back to some normal ethanol markets unless the economy as a whole starts to really start to take off in a big way. And I, I don't see the V-shaped recoveries in the economy for ethanol just to all, all of a sudden flip the switch and it's back on again and everything's you know, back to normal. It's going to take time, and I, I think that you might be looking at, yes, you get to the summer driving season, and with the way gas prices are, it's a very encouraging thing because, yes, we are cheap. Yes, it's driving season. Yes, we've been quarantined. So people are naturally probably wanting to get out of the house, get out and see things and do things that they haven't done for weeks now. So that in itself is going to help that initial, you know, slowness and demand start to pick back up, but it's going to take Again, some time for it to kind of smooth its way out and, and, and reduce some of these inventories. Keep in mind, uh, the inventories year over year are up about 21% ethanol. And then the EIA report released yesterday showed ethanol uh, production at the lowest on record and year over year ethanol production down almost 450,000 barrels a day. So we, we have some problems and these problems aren't going away overnight. What's your thoughts on the export numbers for the soybeans that came in? Uh, the data, they came in at a marking year low. Obviously, that's not good, but you start looking at the acres, the yield, and if demand comes back, if we have weather, I know there's a lot of ifs in that, but it really could uh, be looking at pretty some explosive markets if the stars sort of align for these beans. All right, well, stick around, folks. When we come back, we're going to talk more about exports, what we're seeing in South America, what happened in this wheat market complex today, and then, of course, all the happenings of the livestock side of the trade. It's the Thursday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the World Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue our conversation with Darren Fessler. Darren is with Lakefront Futures. We were talking about some export numbers and you were talking about the soybeans. Any other surprises? Um, for example, in the corn, I know it was weaker. Did that come as a surprise or not at all? No, the, the, the export demand for corn is not not shocking here i mean we've had our weeks of brightness and we've had our obviously our weeks of you know boy we wish we could have been better there nothing stood out this week that that shows me that that there's any alarm to anything outside of maybe the bean side of things but keep in mind here 
uh, if you watch what's going on in the Brazilian real, I mean, it seems to be making lower lows every day, every week, every month. Obviously, that's going to make their production and, and their bushels uh, much more attractive to international buyers. I think that's what's going on there. You have numerous analysts out of Brazil saying uh, April and May we're going to export record amounts of beans and more than likely to China. And so to have the U.S. weakness right now, it's not too surprising here. Uh, but I do think that, again, I think if you look at beans from a U.S. standpoint uh, and, and, and extrapolate it out to what potentially could happen, say, if China does come back to the U.S. market in a fairly decent way, even though that the current carryout numbers are fairly large, let's call them north of, you know, 480 or 500, uh, you know, I think that you could be looking at, if you have weather and some dis- decent demand, you could look at half the carryouts that are currently being projected. And so what does that mean for bean prices? Now, I don't think they go to the moon. Uh, there would have to be a complete disconnect between bean prices and what what the reality of corn currently is. But beans could make some significant runs in relation to corn, uh, you know, again, if, if the XYZ sort of things were to happen there. Well, the wheat market saw a bit of a struggle. We know Mother Nature has not been friendly to the winter wheat crop, but uh, softer export numbers, as you look globally, weather's been a factor there as well. Weather's been a factor if you look in Russia, if you look in Australia recently, if you look in Ukraine, I mean, you name it. I mean, talk to guys in western Kansas about the weather lately. I mean, you're talking 10 to 15 degree overnight lows, and the market's still selling off. So, I think it's one of those things where you look at a technical picture in the wheat, where where we had this decent run up here in middle of March, where you found out you okay, uh, we're going to run into some resistance here. We backed up, we found support near the two hundred day moving average, and, and then you basically ran up and retested those March highs and failed to break to the upside. And so, really, I think that's what's really going on here in the wheat complex. Not that there's uh, all that, you know bad demand story out there. I, I don't think that. If you look at the outstanding sales accumulated exports, demand for wheat in general has been fairly good. I mean, it's not bad. It's not great, but it's it's certainly better than corn and beans at the moment. I just think it, in a futures market, they try to price some of these forecasts in ahead of time. And now that, you know, we did see those higher levels and beyond the March highs, I think, you know, the market is just like, okay, yeah, we got through it. Uh, and it, it, the crop will be somewhat okay. I mean, it's it, again, it is wheat, and it's wheat is a a, a crop that, it, like corn, you can throw a lot at it. You, you can hurt it, but you can also throw a lot at it. And I think that's what the market's looking at. But for me, you you, you look at the Kansas City July contract. You really start. You're getting down towards the hundred day and the fifty day. We really like to see some support there. And we, we the 200 days sitting right around that 467 mark on the July. So you uh, you really want to hold that level initially, and then we can probably work our way back to the upside, hopefully on some seasonal bounces. Has the June low been put in place for the live cattle? Um, at this point, uh, given how strong the box beef numbers have been in the last few days, I, I it, it very well could have been. Now, granted, how long do these plants, uh, you know, continue to be shut down? Um, obviously, there is 
some discussion, and I've been pretty vocal on the Packer margins versus what the uh, the, in, the the producer is getting paid on this. Um, but hopefully, Washington D.C., Sunny Purdue, and the Ag Department is is going to continue to push the Packer and investigate what's going on there. Could the loaves be in on June fats? It, it definitely could, it, especially if these bock beef numbers continue to be pretty good. Um, and they have turned around again this week. Have been pretty decent on box beef numbers. We haven't seen that strength yet in relative uh, to the futures market. Are we going to see? Um, we know the struggles been happening with the with the packing market, with the plants being closed. How much more of an influence is that going to have on this market? Uh, we'll see where the investigations go and, and what turns out of them. I mean, because right now, I mean, you look where packers are, you look at where the retail prices are, and you look what the end users giving for their product. Obviously, there's a very big disconnect there. All right. Well, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Darren? They can reach me directly at 402-366-0423. They can check me out on Twitter at DDFAlpha and LakefrontFutures.com. All right, that is the Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors. And this has been brought to you by the Fontenelle Hybrids and your local Fontenelle dealer. Pick it up as a podcast at RuralRadio.com or wherever you subscribe. And it is also on Spotify. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.